It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I am your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And joining us today, uh, the very, very esteemed guest from ESPN, uh, chicken parm aficionado John Bucci-Gross. John, how are you today? Way to pigeonhole me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean to typecast you too much, but uh, it is some of your premier content. <laughs> <laughs> Recency bias, I hope. I hope there's more than that in my... 25-year career at ESPN. There absolutely is, so why don't we jump into that? So with the ESPN, with, with, with the NHL being back on ESPN, how is it uh, calling hockey games, calling NHL games again? Every day is like Christmas. Um, it's been great. I never called games before. You know, when we lost the package in 2004, yep. I, I, I hosted NHL Tonight and uh, wrote a hockey column. But I began in 2001 on ESPN.com, a weekly uh, column about all things hockey, not just the NHL, my kids, college, all kinds of stuff, mainly the NHL, though. And uh, so I did that from about 01 to 2015. So, uh, but yeah, to have the NHL back after 17 years away and the host uh, once a week show, the point on ESPN2 and, and then lives on ESPN Plus and then to be able to call games has really been a huge dream come true thrill. So not many people get re-energized and rejuvenated at their job after being there for so long. But thankfully, ESPN is kind of a cool place to work in that regard. You can do a lot of things. They move people around to keep them sharp and to keep them interested. And, um, you know, mine happened more organically with the NHL just happened to come back at the perfect time in my life and my age and my tenure so it's all it's all good in the neighborhood right now for bucci and we love to hear that it, it seems like you have <laughs> the agenda that we shared amongst ourselves somehow you, you managed to access it because you brought up the thing i wanted to ask you about next which is your show on espn the point for anybody in our audience that hasn't heard about it can you just give them the 411 on your show yeah it's a one hour show it's on espn two three o'clock eastern time um, then it goes and lives on ESPN Plus, I believe. 
I think it might be five nights a week once the playoffs start. That's kind of cool. So, you know, you see the mm-hmm. jump uh, about the NBA and, um, you know, NFL live, I guess that's, you know, that's five days a week. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just a, to be able to give hockey one hour, um, even if it's just once a week, but like I said, come playoff time, it'll be every day, uh, you know, to, to show some cool features and to have good discussions national on a national television network. You know, the NHL hasn't been a part of the national discourse in its history, whether it be drive time radio or morning radio on sports networks and radio stations, even in hockey markets, you know, like a Boston, you know, it's a great hockey market, but you know, hockey is really fourth of the four sports when they yeah. talk about it. And, uh, and I think that's true in a lot of uh, cities, even where, again, hockey is pretty popular. It's, you know, it's very niche and, and the, and the program is treated that way. So, but so, yeah, so it's great to give shine and some flowers to the sport once a week. And hopefully, like I said, uh, it can get some momentum and people can check it out. And, um, and it's really, it, it's been great to talk to have Tortorella on there has been really good. He uh, has had some viral moments like I thought he would. Um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of was hoping he would retire from coaching because I think he'd be a real hockey TV star, which I think the sport. You know, it helps the sport, whether it's Barkley, John Madden in football and and uh, and Barkley in the NBA. It's kind of, you know, to create that hockey broadcasting star. I think he's someone who could bring uh, a lot of juice to the sport. But I think he definitely wants to coach again. It pays better. And so I don't know if we're going to have him for the rest of the year. You never know. Every time a coach gets fired, he's, he's going to be a candidate. Yeah, his name got out there right away for the Panthers job. And all of a sudden, he's calling Barkov the best player in the NHL. How very convenient there, towards Coincidence? He's right, for what it's worth. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it perfectly. Right now, you guys are once a week. And you're, ESPN's kind of reintroducing the NHL back to the average, you know, sports consumer. While, you know, like diehards like us, you know, we eat, sleep, and breathe hockey. But, you know, the casual sports fan, like, hockey is a distant fourth but you know after the big three it used to be the big four now it's the big three and you know you guys are bringing it back there and the more fun you guys have i mean you know the the chicken parm segments go viral the you know (laughs) you guys are just having fun and you're kind of recreating what tnt has done with the nba on the point so it's been a lot of fun to watch so far and i hope that it keeps growing that you guys are doing um and just kind of following up off of that you know, since now hockey's back at ESPN, is there a secret NHL fan among the uh, the ESPN hosts and talent over there that people really wouldn't know about? Probably not. You know, it's pretty much it's pretty much me, Levy, and uh, and Linda Cohn. No one else is. You know, I mean, Scott Van Pelt definitely respects the sport and enjoys it, and is great during the playoffs, and um, he's called it on his show. You know, the best playoffs in sports, which is nice. Um, but in terms of an everyday, you know, consume it for the last, you know, 30 years, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's, that's a, I think it's just the three of us. I, I can't think anybody on the top of my head who really loves the game and lives the game. And, and like I said, I've done it in so many ways with my kids and my first, you know, my first job in television was back in Cape Cod in 1989. And my first boss, her dad was the Bruins Hall of Fame broadcaster, Fred Cusick. So I've always had a hockey connection going back to my first job uh, in television on Cape Cod 32 years ago. So 
it's been there all along the way. My dad played high school hockey in Boston without a mask. He played goalie. And so I grew up hey. with the game, unlike most American kids. Uh, so that was good to have that niche. And it served me well in my career at ESPN. I think one reason why I stayed around so long is because, because of hockey and my connection to hockey. And just in case we'd get it back, I guess they wanted to keep a guy on the bench just to make sure. So it, it's, it's been great for me. It's enhanced my life. And uh, like I said, to have it back now is really a cherry on top moment for me if I can last the seven years the contract is. Well, now that we know your dad is a goalie, we do have a goalie podcast every once in a while if he wants to join us. He's obviously included <laughs> as part of the fraternity, some local goalies down here in South Florida. So if you're if uh, Papa Bucci wants to join us, he's got an open invitation. <laughs> that, was, that was 75 years ago at Boston Latin School in Boston. So I'm not sure how much you know, playing goalie back then is probably a little different uh, than it is now. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Stand-up goaltending, butterfly, reverse VH. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reverse VH. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to try it this time. Uh, yeah, actually, John, uh, Alex over here is a collegiate national champion goalie uh, for the University of Miami down here in Florida. Uh, nice. So, so we, we've also got some high-level goalies uh, on, yeah. uh, on this pod. Uh, right, so right. obviously, with, with the, you're, you're in broadcasting now. You're, you're calling games, and we, we absolutely love hearing you call games, especially, uh, especially when you're calling Panthers games, which you did. That, that game in Detroit, the first game. Uh, for Andrew Burnett uh, after after everything went down uh, a couple of weeks ago what did you notice in that game for the Panthers let's let's get to the real the real meat and potatoes here you got to call that first game what did you notice what did you see why was Panthers Detroit your favorite game to call so far this season (laughs) I've been watching all the Panthers games so um, nothing that I hadn't seen all year you know obviously Barkov is one of the best players in the game 200 feet by 85 feet player with great set of hands to finish it off like he did in overtime. Jonathan Huberto is a top 10 wing in the NHL elite. So to have him on two separate, have those two on separate lines is uh, ideal. You know, Sam Bennett and Huberto have just paired together so well that allows, you know, to put players with Barkov, really a couple, you know, average players, but he makes everybody better. So to be able to do that and, and lengthen your, your four lines is so key. And then on defense, you know, uh, to have a good group that they have now. And the way Bob has come back, obviously, is the big story of, of the year. The way yeah. he has returned the form. He won two Vezinas in Columbus, and no one saw that coming. And, you know, Spencer Knight can't get a game because he's been so good. But obviously, <laughs> Knight, Knight still hasn't lost in his career. So... Yeah, that, that's a well-oiled machine, despite the coaching change. Um, you know, Barkov is such a steady, dedicated player, despite his young age. Uh, Huberto, the guy, has been there for a long time in South Florida. He's been through it all. So they have a lot of – and Ekblad is obviously a, a top-level defenseman. It's just they have a lot of depth, and they have a lot of players. And, you know, even though they had the coaching change, you know, Joe Quenville put them on a, a, a championship track where he you know, made them believe that they were champions. And then of course the front office has done a great job adding players. You know, they, every, oh, yeah. every person, every person they bring in, they seem to, they seem to work. So right now they're on a heater and uh, they have to feel good about themselves and confident as they head to the trade deadline in March. And I'm sure they'll try to make one more move. Uh, you know, they, they have to have a lot of confidence that they're <laughs> going to make the right one. 
Is there any anyone on the team who's uh, who's kind of surprised you? Obviously, you mentioned Bobrovsky, but there is 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 there a skater who's uh, come out and really been a powerhouse on this team so far that you might have not expected to to really be uh, be an everyday name? I think they're all surprised about Lundell, and you know I don't think you never know when these young guys are gonna perform. You have no idea, and if they if they had a redraft that year, he'd probably go a lot higher. So you need to get lucky and hit these guys. You know, like the Bruins hit uh, with Pasternak late first round. Uh, Bergeron was a second rounder. He's going to Hall of Fame. Marshawn's a third rounder. He's going to Hall of Fame. So when you get Hall of Famers in the second and third round, that puts you on a run. And obviously that's where the Bruins have been on for over a decade with the Stanley Cup. So uh, now he's 12th overall. So again, it's uh, you know, usually after one or two or three, it, it, there's a pretty big drop off. But so to get him and it, to him to look like a, a veteran and a pro, that, 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 I, I think that really changed a lot. I think it changed really the front office and coaching staff and players' expectations. It kind of opens their eyes because they know who can play. And it's like, oh, wow, this is like a whole other line we have now. And uh, so that's uh, his, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's young. And if he can really become, uh, to get better and better, that, that, that's, again, they have so much depth up and down, the, uh, up and down their bench. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you talk about Anton Lundell, we had people within the organization that as soon as that pick happened, just jumping for joy, texting us like, oh, my God, we can't believe he fell. This this guy's going to be a steal. And we were all pretty excited about it when it happened. You know, but we thought like, oh, low offense, high defense, you know, third line center, which is what the Panthers needed at the time. But, yeah, he's blown all of us away. We're all really happy with the, how that pick has turned out. And, you're absolutely right in terms of you need to pick good players. I mean, Mackenzie Weger's seventh round pick and you're getting top pairing yeah. minutes out of him. Um, yeah. We talk about all this depth and how solid the Panthers are, but we got to ask, are the Panthers going to end up on ESPN TV? Is there some flex scheduling going on this year or is it just ESPN plus for, for the national audience this year? Yeah. The, the, the ESPN games, ABC games, you know, going back to NBC last year and, I, and even TNT, you know, it, there's only so many games that can, uh, a team can be on national uh, television. Usually they save those for those real dependable television rating markets, you know, Philadelphia, yeah. Boston, Chicago, you know, th these are tried and true. You're going to get a good number because so many people watch in that market. And then, the, and then there's a national audience for Bruins games. Boston Bruins fans move. Of course, people in New England move. And they still follow the Bruins. Uh, you know, the Panthers are one of those, you know, franchises that just don't have that number of fans who watch in South Florida. And then certainly on the national stage uh, to really impact the ratings. So they're going to, I imagine, I haven't, I haven't seen the schedule for ESPN. They really like 25 or 30 games during the regular season. But of course you make the playoffs and then you're on all the big markets, no matter what. So that's the, that's why when you're an, an organization, you want to get in the postseason, you want to, be on the national stage and get the, you know, the big time broadcasters and the big time treatment. So, but our ESPN plus games, we treat them like ESPN games, same amount of cameras, multiple super slow-mo cameras. I think you saw some great replays in that Panther red wing game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we, we really empty the bucket when it comes to broadcast and toys and bells and whistles. So like you mentioned, we know that you're going to be down in sunrise when the playoffs start and uh, the Panthers are going to be on ESPN then, but uh, are we going to get you down to sunrise for one of these regular season ESPN plus games? Do you think? I hope, I mean, 
I think I don't know how many times the Panthers have been on yet. Is, is, is my game the only game that's been on yet? Yes. Plus, I'm not yeah. good. Tomorrow so night is they're... number two. Okay. Okay. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing Sabers Oilers this Friday night in Buffalo. I'm looking forward to doing a McDavid game. So yeah, yeah, I hope so. I know I, I I know I have a Tampa Bay Montreal game a couple of days after Christmas. So that's my schedule is only out through December. So yeah, hopefully I get another Panther game. Yeah, I'd love to get one down here. I got a place in Naples, so. That'd be perfect to uh, get a free vacation down there, free visit to my place uh, on the company dime on the on the airline ticket. So <laughs> I, I would I would come early and stay late. Yeah, yeah. Can you send me a week early and send me back two weeks after the game? Thanks. Um, so uh, so yes, yeah, so I'd love to call a game in Sunrise. It's an hour and like an hour and five minutes from my crib here in Naples. Well, if uh, if you don't already have an Italian place that you're uh, that you're going to scout out for some chicken parm reviews down here. Uh, Roberto Luongo's family does own an Italian restaurant, so you could really combine your two. Uh, your ah, two loves. I uh, saw Roberto in Detroit, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that didn't come up. Uh, he must not be aware of my chicken farm on Twitter because I assume he would have said something. So, uh, yeah, next time, next time I see him, I, t- I will take him up on that. Yeah, he ma- pizza time. Yeah, he married locations. into a family business. Yeah, all right. But do you, so, do, other than Luongo's, which you obviously don't know, do you have a chicken farm spot in South Florida yet? uh oh you know there's a place here in yeah naples called parmesan pete's which is really good and a cool name too i kind of like that name yeah um i'm trying to think any other italian place uh off the top of my head you know they have one of those uh bravo but that's kind of like you know fast food uh yeah. italian food but uh so yeah so nothing uh so yeah other than parmesan pizza I, I need to start scouting those out yeah, well, you're going to be coming down to Sunrise a lot more often, so you're going to have to learn the chicken parm spots down here. <laughs> Pizza time, La Strega. Oh, what's what's the one that used to be at the Hard Rock that that's really famous? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, I've only been there once, Olive, and it was like seven Olive years Garden? ago. No, <laughs> Poochie, come on, come Look, on. South here, here. Right. I I would be very interested to know your your take on on the luongo chicken parmesan that would be that's right. going to be a very interesting uh a very interesting episode this is going to be a great segment on the point when when you're down we have, yeah we may have to go ig live on that one or yeah maybe Ooh. get a camera for, maybe actually that's a good idea we should we'll do a that's a great idea you're now producing the show uh, if i do <laughs> if i do do a game down here i'll i'll try to ask espn let's get a camera i'll, I'll you know bring roberto over to the restaurant kind of do a sit down with him talk about his career talk about the panthers talk about the parm and that'd be a great little segment for the show. So I will pitch that to our producers uh, very soon. There you go. I mean, that's not, awesome. Not going to lie. If we had a little bit more notice that we were going to be on with you, we, all three of us were going to cook our own chicken parm and have you grade them and skewer us. That would have been good. That would have been good. <laughs> so but then we would have typecast him even more. So honestly, maybe it's a good thing that we didn't. <laughs> but next time, when next time we have you on, uh, when you when you have some time for us, we'll be ready with our chicken parm pictures for you. All right. All right. All right, and then last thing before we get you go, we got to talk about the one thing you're also fans for, the Bucci OT Challenge. Let's talk about how did that start? Just way back in the day, again, when we had hockey at ESPN, me, Ferraro, and, and Melrose would be there on ESPN2. And during the playoffs, you know, our show would come on after a playoff game, whether it was an 8 o'clock game or sometimes it was after a 10 o'clock game. You know, when, when the playoff game was over, when there's, there were games on ESPN and ESPN2, and when there were ESPN2 games, we would follow and do NHL tonight. And uh, so, you know, just a way to kill the time, we threw a dollar on the set, pick a guy on each team, and then when he scored, if you had the guy, you took the other two bucks. If no one had the guy, 
then we put our own dollar back in our pocket. It was just a way to kind of pass the time because as soon as the goal went in the net, we know we were on the air 60 seconds later to start NHL tonight. So just kind of, so, you know, we did that. And of course, again, the NHL left ESPN in 2004 and, and then Twitter came along. I think I joined in 2010, maybe. And this one day I was actually, I think in Boston and just decided to do it uh, for a Bruins playoff game. I think it was a Bruins game. And it's, Hey, this was just after I joined Twitter and Twitter was still pretty young. Pick one person, each team. You think we'll score the overtime goal, hashtag, hashtag Bucci overtime challenge because, you know, hashtags were a big deal. And I'll retweet 10 of the winners. And, you know, you know, retweeting was big currency back in the day. People thought that's how you would get a bunch of followers. So and the, and I just and I was surprised at, at the reaction the first night. And then it just kept growing and growing. I couldn't believe how many people were playing. Uh, after like four or five, six, seven times. And I, that, you know, who knows how many followers I have at that point. I couldn't have very many, maybe 10,000 or something. But um, but it just caught up. So I said, oh, maybe I'll make T-shirts next year and I'll give away T-shirts and then I'll sell them as well and give money to hockey charities. And then I wait, you know, I always kind of listen to the response on Twitter and you can kind of gauge how big something is, even if only if seven or eight, nine people respond to something, then usually there might be something there. Uh, so the next year I bought a thousand white t-shirts, you know, small, medium, large, extra large, double XL, a uh, thousand of them as, oh boy. And uh, I hope I sell these things. And so, and, that, and that's what, that was the next playoffs. And, or maybe I even did that playoff year. I'm not sure. No, it would have been the next playoffs and uh, the following year. And sure enough, it just really blew up. People were sending me money in envelopes and I'm, trying to send them t-shirts i have no website or anything you know it's just all on twitter and then someone convinced me to get a GoDaddy account and that made it easier <laughs> then someone then some so they could paypal they could pay by paypal then another guy i went uh same college as i did i met him down here in naples actually uh young kid you can go on shopify and then use a credit mm. card and then and that helped that helped sales even more so just yeah so just kind of started that one little tweet and it blew up into this little kind of little merchandise thing that i have now with i added college hockey a few years later <laughs> and yeah I've, I've given away you know quarter of a million dollars to hockey charities uh through That's selling great. these boots this Bucci gear and this college hockey gear i kind of wish i kept it and paid off my mortgage but hey what are you gonna do <laughs> so uh so yeah that's the way it goes but you know so it's uh so we'll see how it goes i might try to grow that and try to make it bigger then i can give even more away and um, and then maybe even grow up, make it like a real full fledged business of some sort, and some sort of hockey empire that, you know, these things that go around in my big coconut of mine, I guess, sometimes have these <laughs> dreams and visions. So, but yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. It, you know, when he, we lost NHL for me, SBN, but Twitter was kind of that bridge for me. First, the Bucci Overtime Challenge, like that kind of kept me relevant with all the young uh, people and even the hockey community, you know, even young players, you know. It wasn't really my goal. I don't know how to do anything, but like, you know, I, like I'll, I'll, I'll find an old tweet from Brady Kachuk playing the Bucci overtime challenge when he was, thir- <laughs> when, when he, when he was 13, like when he was 13 years old. And then, uh, and I remember, I remember Austin Matthews DM me when he was like 16 or 17. Hey, can I get a Bucci overtime challenge shirt? And I sent him one. Like every time I'll retweet that, fi- I'll tweet that picture. Sometimes I'm hitting all this little fish with a Bucci overtime challenge. It's funny because it's like this tiny fish, like five inches. And uh-huh. he's uh, actually maybe three inches. And he's just holding up with his Bucci <laughs> overtime challenge shirt on and his short hair and his clean shaven. So uh, it's just, you know, I kind of made a connection with 
uh, the current hockey players through Twitter, through the Booch Overtime Challenge, and then college hockey as well. Um, even though I haven't you know, done a game for 17 years, I'll see these kids at the rink, these college kids. I've called their games the last 10 years, and they'll scream up, Bucci, and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So that's really cool that that, that really enabled me. Twitter was uh, really enabled me to keep that connection, stay relevant, maybe even build a new base of followers just uh, you know, uh, because of Twitter and a little bit of Instagram, but more Twitter. Uh, so that, that was really a, a really an unintended consequence and really a gift of Twitter that uh, was a, that gave me that I was able to kind of stay relevant and, and actually build a couple of things in the hockey community. So it was kind of cool. Did, uh, did any current NHL player ever win the Bucci Overtime Challenge? Oh, yeah. Patrick, Pat Maroon won a couple of years ago. Wow. And, um, and <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I remember Max Pacioretty used to play. Um, and I think he left Twitter because he didn't like all the mean stuff. But um, but I have very thick skin being in TV. So there's you can't see anything to offend me or <laughs> make me mad. I don't block anybody. I don't get mad. Um, but some people just don't like it. It turns them off. I get it. But yeah, he used to play a lot. I like how Jonathan Quick used to always play. And he would always pick the two goalies, which I always thought was really funny. <laughs> oh, that's dedication to the craft, right? It there. is. It is. That, is. that is dedication to the fraternity. Real quick, what's the best strategy for people trying to pick? Is it to pick the obscure players or just go with yeah. the stars? Yeah, it's like it's like Quick did because if for some reason any goalie would have scored, he was an automatic winner. You know, because um, uh, you know no one's going to pick a goalie. So yeah, usually to take that sixth defenseman or the fourth line because in overtime hockey in the playoffs everybody plays because the game might go four overtimes. Now they might shorten the bench a little bit. You know, maybe fourth liner is a bit of a stretch, but. Some teams you can kind of tell, maybe definitely top three. But, uh, you know, it's just a way, yeah, you want a smaller pool of winners or whoever, because it really is a random event, playoff mm -hmm. overtime goals. Lemieux never scored one. Messier never scored wow. one. You know, Howell never scored one. You know, uh, I think you know who did, though? Had three Ryan Lomberg series. scored one. Yes, he did. Ryan Lomberg sure did. Anyone who guessed Lomberg for Bucci Overtime Challenge was almost a guaranteed winner that night. That's true. Right. So, so yeah, the pool was small. You take Alexander Ovechkin, there's going to be 700 people who take him. You, know, you take Lars Eller, there might be 240. Still a lot. Like, I'm surprised how many people on both teams are taking. Like, sometimes a defenseman will score a fourth defenseman. And I'll say, oh, no one's going to pick him, or maybe 12 people. And then, really, it's like, it's like 80 or 90. You know, it's like something God, it's just been such a fun phenomenon to watch grow and grow and grow and hopefully we'll be able to pick one of those panther overtime goal scorers and uh maybe get a, some swag from you in the future we'll have to cross you our bet. fingers but we can find uh we can find those fine merchandise it's items all, on your it's, store it's all it's all yeah it's almost panthers colors if it was a, you know, the black was blue it'd true. be almost panther colors on the That's old bucciot.com absolutely John Bucci-Gras, thank you so much for joining us. Before you go, remind our listeners when they can find you calling hockey or hosting The Point and also plug all the other places people can find you. <laughs> oh, no need to do that. I'm just a man. I'm just an American kid who got lucky. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the Point is on Thursdays, ESPN 2, 3 o'clock. I usually call a game on Fridays, sometimes Tuesday and Friday. Um, you know, so we're doing that through December. We'll see if that slows down after January when all of our football announcers are back. I hope I can keep doing it. But um, yeah, and then of course the uh, stuff on Twitter at Bucci Grass. I think it's the same thing on Instagram at Bucci Grass. But uh, 
so yeah so uh it, it's fun I, I love the game it's been great to me and and uh it's just so glad that it's back on espn and can't wait you know we'll go to the all-star game with the show and i think we're going to take the point on during the stanley cup finals i did that for three mm-hmm. years going for four years going to stanley cup finals every game back and forth so i think we'll do that again this year so that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, it's a long season hockey and you know, October to June and this year it goes almost to July, but uh, because of the Olympic break, but you know, I did the draft this year. Hopefully I do it again next year on site in Montreal. I'm hoping. So yeah, like I said, I'm in the back nine of my career. So to be able to kind of do, go real hard here for another seven years or so, and then kind of gear it down I'm I'm ready for the sprint. I'm, I'm, uh, char- I'm rested up and ready to roll. I think you're on your way to a 29 on that back nine. So make sure you, <laughs> right, you like keep it, it going strong. Like thinking. And I don't know if we can be as happy as you that e- hockey is back on ESPN. We're, we're pretty damn happy as well. And uh, you are a big part of that. So thank you so much for joining us, John. Thanks. Go Panthers. Uh, love watching you guys play hockey. Well, Thanks. unfortunately it's not us on the ice, but it's also <laughs> a good thing for the Panthers. It's not us on the ice. <laughs> you got it, brother. <laughs> thank you so much, Bucci. You see ya. Thanks for having me. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.